Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Is there 7.10? Because Braden's away. Okay. Well, folk, uh, good to be together this morning uh, in, the, in this really cold weather. I want to share with you uh, in our series on, on one another, uh, on praying for one another, praying for one another. A newborn baby cries frequently when he or she has needs, and the mother comes immediately day or night to fill those needs. Thus, children learn to cry when they want mother's presence. Later, mother comes but does not pick up the child. She only softly says, hush, child, go back to sleep. Later, she may not even come every time the baby cries. Of course, the baby does not like this one one bit, but feelings of abandonment lessen as he or she learns that mother will always come in the morning. In the process, all babies learn that they cannot manipulate a mother, especially the one who distinguishes between her baby's needs and wants. So it is with prayer. When we are young believers, God often answers our prayers quickly. Later, as we mature, he uses unanswered prayer as a means of teaching us to rely on him. He who knows our real needs and who is always faithful. Well, friends, there are a number of people who said amazing things about prayer over the years. St. Augustine said, whether we realize it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts that we may thirst for Him. Mother Teresa said, Prayer enlarges the heart until it is capable of containing God's gift of himself, his very presence within us. Do not make prayer a monologue, somebody said. Make it a conversation. George Bernanus said this, the wish to pray is a prayer in itself. The wish to pray is a prayer in itself. Corrie ten Boom, that great woman of God, said, any concern too small to be turned into a prayer is too small to be made into a burden. Mother Teresa said again, God speaks in the silence of the heart. Listening, listening is the beginning of prayer. Now, folk, We all know that prayer changes things. We all know that so well. We all know that when all else fails, we are to pray. Even atheists, when you go and do a a hospital visit with them, uh, knowing that they don't believe in God, uh, and you say, can I say a prayer for you? Yes, please. You know, pipes all over the place, but they don't mind a prayer because People know that when all else fails, prayer. 
When you're in the bottom of the valley, the only place to look is up, to look to God and, and call upon Him. Ironically, knowing that, uh, you know, that prayer is important, we still provide, you know, please provide this or that is what we cry to God. We call out, uh, but we're still all about self. I don't know about your prayers, but my prayers are often, I want or gimme, <laughs> you know, or I need. It's all about me. Today I want to focus on the passage James 5.16, where we read, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Folk, I want to suggest to you today that praying for one another is a mature sign of unselfishness. Because as we commit ourselves to pray for one another, it's a sign that I'm saying, I'm going to take time out, not for myself, not for me, but to pray for somebody else. Because I belong to a community, because I'm part of a community, I want to commit myself to pray for somebody else. I read an interesting uh, uh, story this week, and it's so true. A tavern was being built in a town that until recently has been dry. A group of Christians in a certain church opposed this and began an all-night prayer meeting asking God to intervene. Lightning struck the tavern building and it burnt to the ground. The owner brought a lawsuit against the church claiming that they were responsible The Christians hired a lawyer claiming that they were not responsible. The judge said, no matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. Listen to this. The tavern owner believes in prayer and the Christians do not. (laughs) Do you get it? Because the tavern owner said that they prayed, hence my place burned down. And the Christians who prayed said, no, it's not our fault. The question I want to ask myself and perhaps ask you this morning, do we really believe in prayer? Do we believe believe that prayer works? That God uses this awesome opportunity to pray for one another because it works? There are two beautiful words uh, in in that uh, verse for prayer in James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. That first word, pray, is the word ephome, which means to pray to God. We come before God and we pray to Him. We wish something for the other person. That little preposition, E-U, there is good. We, we wish something good for that other person. And it might be that they stop their nonsense, that they stop their sin. But we wish and we pray to God that God will intervene in a mighty way. And so uh, we read, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Pray that something good will happen to this person. Whatever it might be, that they will turn from what they're doing. Or that they will come closer to God. But wish something good for that person. So that you may be healed, he says. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, we read. 
And that second word for prayer there is the word, you know, the, the desire, the seeking, the asking, the coming before God, and it has this idea of begging. I don't beg for anything is our attitude often. I don't beg for anything. But it's coming and saying, I'm going to put my selfish desires to one side, and I'm going to come and beg God for something good in your life, brother, in your life, sister, that God will add to you, that God will, will draw himself closer and closer to you. It's so powerful, because if you read the context of this, this verse, it actually says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective because that righteous person won't be praying things out of line. And so I want God to intervene in your life because I know that he's intervened in my life. And so I pray something good and I beg God to do something amazing in your life is what it's all about. You see, prayer is communication with the true and living God. Now, for communication 101 is basic, that there is a sender that sends a message to the receiver. It might be in the form of a question. It might be a request. And so uh, when I send a message to somebody, that's not communication. That's monologue. That's me sending one message to somebody. When they respond... That's communication. It could be yes, could be no. If I ask you, and we often do this, how are you going, and I turn my back, that's monologue. I'm not actually interested in how you're doing. We often do that, and we allow that to creep into prayer. And we say, God, these are the three things I want you to do. And we're quite spiritual because we ended up with in Jesus' name. But it's listening to God. It's allowing God to, uh, and, and opening your spiritual radar, as it were, so we can hear what God is saying in response to what we're requesting, to what we're praying. And so do we believe in this prayer? Or are we just happy to send up these little bullets of prayer and not, you know, allow God to speak to us? Because then it's only monologue. And God is saying, and, and then we, we actually have the right, or, or the cheek to say, we think we have the right, but we actually have the cheek to say, God, you're not answering my prayer. And God is saying, I am, if you would only listen just a little bit. Well, friends, let me share a few thoughts with you on prayer and praying for one another. Firstly, I think that prayer for one another is expected. It's expected. You know, to say that prayer is expected uh, of us and, and for one another in this very non-conformist and, and very anti-authoritarian age, uh, you know, makes people a bit angry. You know, to say, listen, we, we must pray. It's expected of us to pray. Well, if I look at Jesus and what he taught on prayer, and folk, it's the only time in the Gospels that uh, the disciples come to Jesus and, asks, and, and they ask him to teach them something. Lord, teach us to pray. And so Jesus begins to teach them. And he says in, in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 5, he says, And when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, 
And he carries on, you know, the, uh, the rest of that verse. Don't, let, don't be like those hypocrites who stand on the street corner. So they, they actually don't really believe in prayer. They just want to be seen by everybody. But the opportunity is expected that we pray. Also, in, in, in chapter 6, verse 6 of Matthew, but when you pray again, go into your room. Why? Because there is effective, not monologue, but dialogue between God and us. Imagine speaking to the creator of the universe. Imagine that. Well, that's what prayer is. Imagine you turning your, your ear off to the creator of the universe. I mean, that's not right. He's dying to speak to us. We need to turn that little spiritual hearing aid on. In verse 7 of chapter 6 of Matthew, and when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans. Have you been to prayer meetings where people pray and it's as if they're kind of telling us the news of the neighborhood? You know? Lord, you know that I'm struggling with this thing. And Lord, you know that I need some money. Lord, you know that. Lord, I pray that you, know, that you will move people's hearts. You know, we often say that you know, faith without works is, better, is, is, is dead. But in this case, faith without hints is dead. We're praying to the true and living God to come and intervene and not babble off nonsense. Matthew 6, 9, just before Jesus teaches them, he says, this is how you should pray, our Father. And we went through a series on, pray, on prayer recently and each of those statements. In Luke chapter 11, verse 9, we read, you know, Jesus saying, when you ask, ask, and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. In chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus expects us to pray because then Jesus told his disciples uh, at this parable of this persistent widow coming before the judge. Persistent, persistent, persistent. And that's how we should pray, Jesus teaches us. So it's expected that we pray. Also, God you know, makes it clear in his word that we should be praying. You know, in the New Testament, it's over and over again that how the expectation is communication with God. It's called prayer. If you're in a relationship with anybody and there's breakdown in that communication, well, that relationship will slowly come to an end. Because if there is effective communication, the prayer of a, right, the prayer of a righteous person, we read earlier, is effective and powerful. You see, when there's breakdown in communication, we're on different levels. We're not communicating to each other. Hence, a crisis. Colossians 4.2, we read uh, Paul writing to the church and saying, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, putting on your spiritual radar and watching what God is doing in expectation. Again, uh, to the, the church in Thessalonica in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 7, pray continually. In other words, not kind of when the sun comes up and the sun goes down, but your life is a life of constant communication and prayer before the true and living God. Martin Luther said it this way. 
as it is the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. Hebrews 4.16 says, Approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Why? Because we know that God answers prayer. And so when I come before God and I uh, communicate with Him and ask Him that He meet a need in your life, pray for one another, so God is the one that hears our prayers and so God will answer that prayer. Because we read that we come before his throne with confidence, receiving mercy and finding grace in that time of need. To pray to him that he will meet that need that is in your life. Because God answers prayer. And so, where there's little awareness of real need, there's little real prayer. You see, praying for one another is learned. We learn it. We learn it. In Luke 11, 1, we read, Lord, teach us to pray. The disciples come, teach us to pray. We need to be doing that, Lord, guide us. And how do we do that? Well, firstly, by praying. If you've never learned a foreign language before, you, you know, as you get to know some words, you repeat them, you repeat them, and so you expand your vocabulary. But that doesn't happen by just reading books. That happens through communication. One sentence, two sentences, three sentences. Why? Because that relationship grows stronger and stronger and stronger. There's some people say, oh, I don't need to talk because God knows what's going on in my heart. Absolutely. Do you know what's going on in your heart? Well, tell God. <laughs> or maybe tell yourself. John 16, 13. Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide us into all truth. And he'll help us to learn to pray more effectively. And so important to actually pray, to actually say, I'm going to pray. But also, by praying with others. We're part of a community, so we pray with other people. And the disciples learned how to pray, not only by, by hearing Jesus teach about prayer, but by also being with him when he prayed. He learned, they learned from him how to communicate with the Father. And folk, we know that some of the great revivals in this world started off with a group of people who actually got together and prayed. They prayed together with the same purpose. They began to knock on heaven's door. God, do something, please. Revive us. Change our hearts. Change our minds, God. And that fire started off in their own hearts, and it began to spread throughout the communities. And the whole communities were transformed. And you hear testimonies about people, bad news, rat bags. Greek word, rat bags. <laughs> they were changed. Why? Because God changed their hearts. We often read about prayer. Just got a new book about prayer. The more I read about it, no. Prayer is good. Or oh, reading about prayer is good when it goes hand in hand with actual prayer. When you do the two together, so things happen. 
And then folk, we often think, oh, what's the point? This person is just rebellious. What's the point of praying? I really believe that prayer for one another is answered by God. Prayer for one another is answered by God. David cried out and said, uh, Lord, you, you hear my prayer. The one who hears my prayer. Sometimes our mates don't hear what we have to say, but God is not deaf. He hears our very prayer. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. And he carried on. In case you didn't hear what I said, let me explain to you. Everybody who asks receives. Everybody who seeks finds. And everybody who knocks on the door, the door will open. In other words, God is saying, I hear you, I hear you, and it will happen. Let's also learn to examine our prayers. That's why James 5, 16, after, you know, when we are to pray for one another, we examine our own hearts, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another. Because we come alongside God and actually examine our own hearts on what we pray for. It doesn't make sense, Lord, bless my friend with a Ferrari. It doesn't make sense. It's a desire, it's not a bad one, but it doesn't make sense because you know what, in this day and age where there's real needs, praying for somebody to get a Ferrari doesn't make sense. But if you feel the privilege of praying for that for me, go for it. No, do you know what I mean? Extra large front seat, if you don't mind. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what we're saying? That we come before God and we, we, we entreat. We, we say, God, I beg you, I beg you, touch this person's life, Lord. Change them. Please, Lord. That desire is there. And so when we line ourselves up with the things of God, when we line ourselves up with the things of God, the right prayers come out. That great prince of preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, said it this way. Prayer pulls the rope down below and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Prayer pulls the rope down below and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Some scarcely stir the bell, for they pray so uh, languidly, others give only an occasional jerk at the rope. But he who communicates with heaven is the person who grasps the rope and boldly pulls continuously with all his might. With all his might. Why? Because they believe that God answers prayer. So I leave us with a final challenge. If prayer is expected, will you pray? Will you be, sorry to put it boldly, will you be unselfish and pray for one another? If it's learned, will we learn to pray? And since prayer is answered, Will we persistently pray to God? And friends, if we're to be like Christ, then let's do as he did. 
Let's discipline ourselves to be people of prayer for one another. Because that's what that one another command clearly tells us. To come before him and, and plead on somebody else or on plead ourselves for that person's good. That God will add value to them. That they'll come to their senses. Like that prodigal son who, who turned his back on his father. But when he came to his senses, that word means when he came to himself, it's almost as if he was split in his mind. When he came to himself, he realized what he'd done, and he came back home to the father. And that's what we need to be pleading for one another. If you haven't heard anything I've said, remember this one word, push, <laughs> push, push. Pray until something happens. Not only when you're going to have a baby, <laughs> but pray until something happens. God, I'm going to come before you and I'm going to push through this. So God, so you come through for this person. And God, I'm going to show you I'm serious about it. I'm going to pray until something happens. Are we prepared to do that? Because that's what that, that verse is all about, James 5.16. Pray until something happens. <laughs> pray for one another. Knock on those doors until something happens. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word to our hearts. Lord, you challenge us to draw closer and closer and closer to you. So, Lord, we pray that you'll convict us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll make us unselfish, Lord, to push in to areas where you want us. Lord, to, to knock on heaven's door, to pull that rope as it were. So you can hear our cries, Lord. Help us to do this. Because we know, Lord, that our, our, our willingness is not always right. But help us to do this, Lord, and to do it effectively. For your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Like I want to just focus on a little verse before we have communion together. We know the meaning of, of the wafer. We know the meaning of the juice. We know that Jesus died for our sins. We know that uh, once upon a time we were at enmity with God. We were foreigners and aliens. But because of his body that was given for us, we can... Uh, be reconciled back to him. We know because of the blood of Jesus that was shed on that cruel cross that we have forgiveness of sins. We know that, that we had or we have that opportunity of entering into covenant with God because of what he did on the cross. Because there was that exchange of blood, we can enter into covenant with him. Folk, I want to ask you this morning, as you prepare to eat of this bread, symbolizes his body that was given for us to reconcile us back to the Father. 
and as we drink of this juice for the forgiveness of sins, as we enter into covenant with Him, won't you promise to commit yourself to prayer for another person? As you enter into covenant with Him. Yes, we are grateful to God for what He has done for us on the cross. But I also want us to commit ourselves to, to pray for one person. If it's your enemy, pray for them. Force yourself to mention their name through your lips. Because God can change that enemy to become a friend. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, it says, Jesus speaking, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. That word ask means beg, call for, crave, desire, require. Do we desire something good for one another? Ask. Ask. The word seek, beautiful word. Seek in order to find. Not just have a look, but seek in order to find. Dig for that answer until you find it. Push to find that answer. And then knock and the door will be opened to you, Jesus said. Knock, come and carry on knocking at that door until God comes through. It might be yes, it might be no, but knock until there's an answer. As we eat of this bread and drink of this juice, why don't you commit yourself to push through for his honor and for his glory that his will will be done in somebody else's life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your body that was given for us. Thank you for your blood that was shed so we might receive forgiveness. Lord, we pray that you'll guide us and lead us to a place that we can commit ourselves to pray for one another. We desperately need your presence in our lives, Lord. Help us to pray that your presence will be in one another's lives. Please, Lord, help us to do this. We thank you for all that you do for us. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's uh, eat and drink together as we commit ourselves to push and pray until something happens for one another.